you can't handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains live from the Academy in downtown Wilmington. Again, I am your host, James Jackson, here with my two guys, our residential statistician, Stat Matt Robinson, and our guy, Kyle Sirik, reporting all the way from his dorm room in Pittsburgh. You got a messy room in there a little bit, though, Kyle. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to put him on blast. But I got to work on it. He can clean it a little bit. Of course, of course. Uh, guys, before we get into anything, I, I need a little bit of a pregame before we get into our uh, our podcast, uh, as there are a little bit more pressing issues to talk about, and we cannot and will not ignore what's going on in society right now. Um, we're in the wake of, of the of the tragic shooting of Jacob Blake uh, from a police officer in, in the uh, outside of Wisconsin uh, area. So um, we see the NBA is reacting to it right now. A lot of the game fives are being. Uh, quote unquote boycotted or you know going on strike against as me and Matt wanted to put it earlier um, and it's just a, a real tragic time we're facing right now uh, in America something that we've been facing for a, a very long time and it's just, just the next instance of you know what we need to change in this country so um, you yeah, know, the, it's really the reason why I like calling it uh, strike not a boycott is because a strike is when like a consumer withholds their cash and a, or a boycott is when a consumer withholds their cash. And a strike is when an employee withholds their labor, what right. these players are doing. Right now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, more, more, you know, it's, it's way more important in sports. I don't want to focus around what the NBA is doing and, uh, you know, the players boycotting their game fives with, um, you know, but we really have to address what is the social injustice that's going around in this country. And it's almost, you know, hard to put into words. Like I'm, I'm struggling to find the right things to say. And, and the right words to put together for, for something that I'm tired of having to go over again and again and again and again in this country. And what, the only thing I do want to say, uh, I do want to make a point is this is different than any other time that we've seen an instance like this. Jacob Blake survived. He's paralyzed from the waist down, but, you know, anyone on the other side of this, their, their worst nightmare is one that survives because now there's no alternative facts. There, there's there's nothing that can be misconstrued about the person, about the situation that would happen. And people who should be held accountable are going to be held accountable, hopefully this time. You know, that that's something that's different. So um, I just want to give everyone a, an opportunity here to, to say their piece and address. What's it's going on. heartening to see that um, they're actually going through with the strike. I mentioned on a deep dive probably a month ago about how 1968, the Sixers and Celtics almost uh didn't play game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, but at the time, it wasn't as... Today, it's a lot easier to do that without backlash, and it's great to see it's actually happening, and we can just hope and pray it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't even talk about the sports aspect of it. I mean, this just keeps happening and happening, and I, it's, I don't even know what has to change now to, or what has to be done to insight change now, and it's just sad to see everything keep happening like this. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's something that I've been meaning to say, and I've, and I've been trying to find the, the right place to say it and how to word it the right way. But, you know, coming as a, a black man in America who has a, a, a lot of white friends, really majority of my friends are white. I mean, you two are, are becoming two of my closest friends right now. Obviously, you two are white. Jake, our, our fourth co-host who isn't with us this week, obviously white. Like, I grew up in a predominantly white area. And, and talking to a lot of my white friends, they, they said something to me. They said, for the longest time, I just didn't see color. Like, I, you know, you weren't black to me. You weren't white to me. You weren't, like, you weren't defined by that. You were just a good person and not a good person. And a lot of them are coming to me confused why that's not good enough. Like, you're hearing a lot of people say it's, it's, it's not okay or it's not good enough just to not see color. Anymore. You have to uplift the black community now. And a lot of my white friends have been coming to me confused and saying, you know, you know why is that not good enough for me just not to see color? And I might get some pushback from this because, you know, a lot of people don't agree with this, but, it, you know, whatever, it's really just personally how I think. I think up until now or up until times of turmoil, it was it was good enough. It was OK to just not see color. That meant you weren't racist. And we can move on from there if you're not racist. Like we, we can we can establish something from there. But in times of great turmoil, in times where a community needs to be uplifted, 
that's the time where it's not okay to just not see color. You have to be willing to to lend a, a helping voice, a helping hand, a helping vote, whatever you need to do to help uplift a community that really needs a, a helping hand and really needs people to uplift it right now. So if you were one of my right friends or you have you know, a white person who has black people in your life and you are one of those people who are saying, you know, I just don't see color and I don't know why that's not good enough. It was good enough until now. And I'm sure there's going to be a time where we'll have maybe civil rest, quote unquote, civil rest, where we'll be okay again to just not see color. But right now it's not good enough. And if you're not willing to like flip that switch and, and put down a helping hand to a community that needs it, then that's where the problem lies. That's, that's where you have to be willing to, to do the extra step yeah, now. Basically, I see it. If you see people that are getting attacked, essentially, mm. or just in general hurt and you care about them you help them get up whether it's a friend that fell on the ground or a friend that's scared to walk around in a hoodie because they're mm-hmm. afraid that someone might tackle them you know what i mean so it's 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 really it's really simple as that so um obviously we we stand for we need justice for jacob blake uh justice for brianna taylor justice for george floyd justice for uh, you know all of them unfortunately for the then. two people that were murdered last night as well I mean, it's, it's, that's one of the most unfortunate parts is for all the videos we see, there's maybe four to five instances we don't see or hear from ever. And, you know, that's just this, the severe tragedy of the situation. But we will attempt, uh, you know, to move on and, and discuss sports because, you know, sports didn't stop yesterday, stopped today. But, um, you know, sports ha- have been happening for the past couple of days. So we will attempt to move on and, and try to switch the note from somber to a little bit more upbeat. Uh, but that brings us to the facts straight at you. And we got to start with this. And that brings us into the facts straight at you. And, y'all, we got to start with this because my man Luka Doncic is doing absolutely despicable things to the Clippers, was doing despicable things to the Clippers. The youngest player in NBA history to have a 40-point triple-double. He had a 43-17-13 in Game 4 against the Clippers that tie the series. And the Clippers did come back um, and, and take a 3-2 series lead since. But well, we got to start with what Luka Doncic is doing and put it into some historical time, historical context. So we look at Luka Doncic and the question is just how good is Luka performing in, in, in historical reference? How good is this playoff run that we're seeing his first ever playoff run? How good is it? Yeah, so it's it stands out like a couple other greats stand out. And those greats are named LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, anytime you're and, in those and, two company, then did you, and you made it. So. Luca's Luca's first ever playoff series. He's averaging twenty nine point six, ten, and eight point six on fifty nine point four percent true shooting. Incredible. LeBron's a little better because it's LeBron, but thirty five point seven, seven point five, and five point seven on fifty nine percent true shooting as well. And then Kareem, it's thirty six and sixteen on sixty three percent true shooting. So we're seeing one of the best first playoff runs, maybe the best first playoff run in NBA history, just to put it. In it's yeah, it's, an, it's another example of a potential all time great, immediately proving it on the biggest stage. So that's that's are we are we ready to project that? If we project Luca's career right now, we're already projecting him amongst all time greats. Like that's the that's the microcosm we're using right now. I just want to I just want to put that on the table that that's what we're saying. Is that correct, Kyle? I mean, I think it has to be. Was that not the expectation from? I mean, he was the phenom. He was the kid to come from Europe, play professionally for thirteen or since he was thirteen years old. I mean, you heard the numbers Matt put up. I gotta I gotta compare him with those guys and put him in that conversation. I mean, it's point blank. I think if he stays healthy, he winds up top twenty all time. It's so early. That it's, it's it's right, and, right. And like you hear me pause because it's so early. Like to say that, but how do you argue? How do you argue with the trajectory the, that he's on it's right now? The feel for the game. That's it's. I've only seen LeBron have that. He's twenty two years old. Like yeah. we're we're not watching a thirty year old do this. We're not watching a twenty eight year old do this. Who's had years and years of experience under his belt. And I've always been under the the mindset of the playoffs are an experienced man's game. Like, I never hold it against someone if their first playoff run is bad. Because, like, play, it's just playoff basketball is different. And it doesn't look different to Luka. Like, it, it doesn't look he, – he's moving at the yeah. same pace and manipulating the game in the same exact way that he does in a regular season without his running mate for a couple of games, too. Like, beating the Clippers without KP. And Matt Brat brought something up if he stays healthy. He's kind of been hurt in this series, too, when he's doing those numbers. But Marcus Morris about to be on my corny list. Yeah. <laughs> 
The not not good. Pointless the for not good. Yeah, imagine those points per game, assists per game, regardless per game, bump him up at least two to three, because if he doesn't leave that game three early yeah. with the ankle, mm-hmm. he would have gotten more, obviously. The thing, the thing for me with Luke is, so if you watch basketball, you played basketball, you know basketball, you can watch something, you get that hindsight bias, like, that was the right decision. That was the right play. Mm-hmm. And almost every time, it's the right play for Luke. And he's 21. The way he thinks the game, the way he plays the game is incredible for someone his age. And uh, it just gives me flashes of watching Michael Porter Jr. and what he did and how he does not have that. And then you see someone like Luka, and he has it on the same level a guy like LeBron does. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. At the and, and there's a lot to be said for the eye test, right? Like, you, we, we can look at stats, and sometimes the stats don't match the eye test. Sometimes stats are inflated. And you look at Luka, and you just tell he's got it. Like, the, the, like you said, Kyle, the feel for the game, uh, the, you know, the, where he knows to exert his energy and where he knows not to, him being in the right places in the right time, like, him just knowing how to how to play winning basketball. It's not predicated on absurd athleticism. Mm-mm. Like watching Derrick Rose Young, it's like, wow, this guy is an athletic freak. It's nuts what he's doing. And then right when he gets hurt and he loses that burst, mm-hmm. he's just another NBA player. Luca is his entire greatness is based on the fact he knows exactly what to do mm-hmm. and he's very good at everything. He's right. not like incredible at one specific thing, but he knows exactly where to pass the ball it's it's small things like entry passes being good to set up big men down low mm-hmm. and knowing exactly where to like throw the pass for the corner three and those things don't go away even as you age mm-hmm. so i i think we're going to be seeing a lot of really great basketball from another dallas european it's it's weird because when people like want to you know project oh, he's got this in his game he's got this in the game like the first thing that i think of one of the first people i think of is like tim duncan because his game is so fundamental, it's not predicated on his athleticism. Look, don't get don't get it twisted. Luca could get athletic on you if you want to get dumped on one time. Luca yeah. could get athletic on you, but his game is not that. It, it's predicated on just fundamental footwork, being in the right place, knowing how to establish yourself in the right place on the floor, and that's something that like Tim Duncan had from from the jump, where he just knew that this is where I'm supposed to be on the floor, and this time, this is how I, I execute the play. So it's crazy, so, but we do have to look at the other side of it because. Since we made this script, the Clippers did take a one a one game series lead uh, against the Mavericks, and Pandemic P finally showed up, bro. Pandemic P finally showed up. I said that was my favorite nickname in sports right now, and he turned it around. And and before we say anything good on him, and I want to give him his props for being as candid as he was in his post game interview and addressing, um, you know, the the mental health struggles that he was going through. How he said he let the bubble get to him. So. You know, props to, to Paul George for not only fighting through that, but being honest enough to, to come forth and, and say that he was struggling. But he turned it around in, in a mighty way, 35 last night to, to take a one-game lead. Absolutely. One of my favorite things an uh, athlete ever said is Nick Foles actually won the Super Bowl is allow yourself to fail. Mm-hmm. And the whole mindset, it's not when you're uh, – when you have anxiety, I have anxiety as well. And one of the things you have to break through is that it's not that, oh, it's going to be fine. It's, I'll be fine if it isn't okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you're shooting a big shot, it's like, if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, I did, I did everything I could. Right, right, right. And, and once you accept that, you become a much, you, you live your life a lot better. And in Paul George's case, he becomes a much better basketball player. And I hope this is a sign to come because... Mm-hmm. We all love seeing really good basketball players play really well. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is when we hold a player like Paul George accountable when he's, when he's lackluster play, it's because we know how good he can be. And I think people sometimes misconstrue that with like just simply just hating on the man. Like, I don't, have, I don't have anything against Paul George personally, but like, I know how great you can be. When healthy, I know how, how great of a player you, you can be and should be on a nightly basis. And when you don't see that effort, then that's what gets called into question is like, you know, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like you're putting forth the effort, but it doesn't look like you're putting forth you know, trying to win his basketball game. But it, now it does make sense. And now it's something to actually point to is, you know, there, there's something to be said for, uh, you know, a 14 and, and nine point game on consecutive nights. We get that on, on the floor. But when you're a, a player like Paul George, who excels, especially on two sides of the basketball, okay, if the ball's not going in the hoop, Paul George could find other ways to, to impact this game. If he's getting up, you know, help on the boards, if he's getting in the passing lanes, like, we, we understand that Paul George can affect the game in multiple ways. And when I don't see you doing that, 
that's what makes me hold you accountable, and that's what makes me call out a player like Paul George. It's as simple as that. I just say 154 points for the Clippers, which is what they had last night, the most ever in franchise history, regular season or playoffs. And they went, they went off. Yeah, they went they off. Last night. I was impressed with how Paul George approached the game yesterday. So he came out and just shot. He didn't mm-hmm. be like, I was playing bad, I was playing bad. And I think that comes from the coaching staff as well. But the second those first two went in, and then he was starting hot, I think he started like seven for nine or something, like he was back. And if he takes his foot off the gas because of what happened in those previous games, I don't know if he gets back that game. I just, I right. thought I loved it. He took like three of their first four shots, I think. And, and you're right. That's a coaching thing. That's, that's not yeah. Rivers going to him. It's like, I want you taking the first five shots of this game. Take, you, you take our first shots until they go in. Like, I want yeah. you scoring first. And, and they that's were good. aggressive. And, they were aggressive and, then that, and that leads me to my next point is, I want to give the Clippers props for not only the, the performance they put on the floor, but they were outwardly supportive of Paul George. Like, out loud, publicly. Kawhi saying, we got Paul George's back. Doc Rivers saying, I'm not worried about him. That's, that's one of the best players in the league. There's a reason why we went out there and got him. There's a reason why Kawhi specifically asked for Paul George to be his running mate. And I think that helps a player like Paul George when you don't have to question if your team has got your back or not. Like, I wonder if they jump ship. I wonder if they still believe in me. They were outward and saying, like, we'll, we'll get Paul George back. We're, we're good for that. And I think that's what helps turn something around so quick. So yeah, like, props, I, props to the Clippers for that. Yeah, I agree. I remember in the 2016 finals when Harrison Barnes was going through a shooting slump, you could tell the Warriors didn't want to pass him the ball even if he was open. Yeah. And that definitely was a detriment to the team. And the Clippers have stuck by Paul George and it's paying off. And I just want to say, when basketball comes back, all I'm rooting for right here is a game seven. Yeah. I just want to see a game seven. This series has been fantastic, high scoring, great basketball. Mm-hmm. I want to see a game seven. And I, I will say this about Paul George before we move on. Now, now we're talking about holding you know certain standard of players to a certain standard of performance. Paul George has just reset the bar for himself now. And, and something that, that needs to be said, something that needs to be very apparent for him is that when you get back to that, to that level, when you show me now a 35-point game, a 14-point game becomes even more inexcusable now. Like that, now, now the cards are on the table. Now, now you're back here. So by Paul George being that candid about something, about you know, his mental health, about the bubble you know, you know, getting to him, it's it's almost saying like that that's behind me. So if that is truly behind you, I should see that. Now I'm not saying you got to score 35 points every night, but I should see like you you not being apathetic on the court anymore. You you not not caring about bad performance. You not caring if your team is losing or not. So that you know that that needs he, to be. He's allowed to go nine for 22 for 22 points, yeah, every, but he just can't go three for 18. Yeah, and and, and not try and, mm-hmm. and put up a goose egg in every other yeah. every other stat like he was doing. Like you're allowed to have bad games, you're not allowed to not try, especially when you're Paul George, especially when you're that. And for the matter of fact, no, I gotta call. Up, I gotta I gotta take a time out. My 30, my 30, because there's this again that happens, and it's it annoys the absolute shit out of me. That Kawhi goes under the radar. He doesn't get called out like he should. He he drops a 30-point game in their win. And we, we see Kawhi everywhere. Oh, Kawhi is dominant. Oh, Kawhi is coming out firing. That when when Luca hit that game winner in game four to tie the series for his 43rd point of the night. They inbound out of the ball, and Luca comes off a screen, off an off a inbound screen to go get the ball, a simple basketball move, and Kawhi willingly switches off of Luca and lets who guard him? One-on-one for the game? Reggie Jackson? Reggie Jackson is, is, is who you're okay with guarding Luca for his 43rd point of the night. It's not like Luca's struggling, right? It's not, it's, it's not like Luca's got 10 points. So Kawhi, the, the supposed best, you know, perimeter defender on the planet, one of the best defenders on the planet. You you just switch off him like that, and and no one said it. Everyone was cool with that. I'm not cool with that. If if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm in Kawhi's ear. Why the hell is Reggie Jackson guarding Luca when you're right there? Kawhi was a defensive player of the year. He is the best perimeter defender, Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan. You have to fight through that screen. You have to. And it was a lazy screen. And like Luca, it's not like Luca like curled off and tried to go to the basket. Luca willing went out there and caught it. Luca gave you time and to go guard him. There wasn't a lot of time. There's like six seconds left. It's like, oh, they could pass the open guy. No, there's three seconds left. And like, if Luca is couldn't... and if Luca is the first pass away, like you saw where it was. There's two people at the top of the key, and one of them is Luca. I wonder who's getting the ball with four seconds left on the clock. 
So I know as soon as Luca goes and gets it, that's my man. Like, Luca's not passing this. And if he does, whoever's shooting it is a better option for us than Luca is. So go ahead, let him pass it. Like, 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 so I don't think Kawhi got held, you know, I don't think Kawhi got held responsible enough for that. Like that, like that, I, I do not forgive him for that. And maybe, and maybe going out and, and scoring 30 points and, and taking the one game lead next game, you know, absolves him of all blame for some people, but it doesn't for me. It, it really doesn't. Because they could have closed it out last night. If if he does that, if, 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 if you're Kawhi, you're in the LeBron tier. You need to be criticized like someone in the LeBron tier. Point blank period. Point blank period. Yes. We can move on after that. Because uh, another really uh, tantalizing player and a player that I actually have to pull out an apology for him for is Donovan Mitchell, who is going absolutely stupid in this Jazz Nuggets series. Another series that is now three two. The Jazz were, were the Jazz were up three one. The Nuggets came back last night and won it to make it 3-2. Uh, but game four was the first time in NBA playoff history that two players scored 50-plus in one game. It was Donovan Mitchell's second time that series scoring 50 and Jamal Murray's first. And they're both going off. But the focus right now is Donovan Mitchell. And I, I'll admit it. I, I, was the one of the, I was one of the people saying it. You can't, you can't be a serious title contender with Donovan Mitchell being your best player. And he's, like, shutting me up in this series. I did not think he had this in him. I knew he was a good player. He's an all-star. I didn't think he had this in him. He's going absolutely nuts. He's been great, and he is the one that got away from me, like with the Fultz trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, people always entertain him. I wanted, I did love Fultz, but I wanted to trade down for Donovan Mitchell. It still hurts, but now I need to get off. I don't want to talk anymore about this. Yeah, I don't understand. So, like, so, why? He so, did that to himself. Yeah. So, to so Donovan Mitchell is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. He's doing two fifty-point games, mm-hmm. and he had an off game last night where he had thirty. Like, <laughs> and no, no, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's my point. That's a certain status of player mm-hmm. who does that. That that's a LeBron, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, James Harden type thing where your off night is thirty. He's like, oh, you always on eleven. For 23, like 20 and 30. And and that's because yeah. he's creating so many opportunities. That's getting to the line, that's getting extra shots. Like that, that's I did not think Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was that type of player. I would be cool if his off night was 20. That's what I thought he was. But his off night being 30 is not in a tier that I thought he was gonna touch for, right now. For me, the biggest standout is as great as Donovan Mitchell was. I did not think Tomalmer even had an in like a middle, like a little bit of this in him. He's going nuts this series. Mm. 42 points last night in an elimination game. 17 of 26, 4 of 8 from 3, perfect from the free throw line. That is star stuff. This is mm-hmm. a guy who averaged 18 points per game this year. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely stepping up like no one thought he could. It's incredible. And especially yesterday, he stepped up too because he had like nine points at halftime. And mm-hmm. it's an elimination game. He said, no, I'm not, this isn't happening. Uh, Jokic had a good game too, but Murray did it. But before we move to Murray, James already held himself accountable, but. Matt, you got to hold yourself a little bit accountable, too, because yeah, it was, about, it was about a month ago when I said Donovan Mitchell is a top 10, get a bucket guy in the league, and both you guys laughed at me. I, I did, like, no, I actually laughed at you. I actually, like, like came and out publicly. No, that, that, that's a tough one. That's, that's a tough one. No, I'll give you that. He's been doing it, and I first learned when he torched the pit, like, four years ago, but that's that. But um, what really showed it to me was when you look back at it, he had no rights being in the playoffs two years ago as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he was their leading scorer. Even last year, I mean, they probably should have made the playoffs. Uh, the West uh, was a little hurt. I mean, the Warriors still made the playoffs, but he did that, and he does that on a nightly basis, and you can't sleep on that. I mean, that man is a bucket. You see it on the Jazz. You saw it in U.S. basketball, and at 23 years old, he's going to keep doing that. Okay, and, so right now— We 30, can move to Jamal Murray now. That's fine. I need to 37, 5, and 3 on 55% shooting is Donovan like Mitchell 50, in the series. Like 51 from 3, too, which like people it, don't give him credit for. He's not a three-point guy. It's crazy. And, and moving to Jamal Murray, what I want to give him credit for, especially in Game 5, uh, getting that much-needed win, is he took it upon himself, like you said, Kyle, in that second half, to go out and play like we are, we are not going home. I'm going to be the reason we're not going home. Something that Damian Lillard said about the Blazers getting into the playoffs. I'm going to be the reason we don't go home today. It's going to be on me. And for Jamal Murray to step up like that, and like it's something we expect maybe Jokic to say. Something maybe we even expect Paul Millsap to say. But I didn't really expect Jamal Murray to say. And Mike Malone said it 
after the game, we're we're watching a superstar like literally come before our eyes. And and I you know I thought that was true. And that's something that superstars do. It's because of me that we're not going home. And Jamal Murray played like that. Thirty five for fifty five last two games. Thirteen and twenty three from three. Mm-hmm. And forty six points per game over the last. So two games. so yeah, this is this is. This is LeBron's had one 50 point game in his career mm-hmm. in the playoffs. The 50 in the playoffs is so difficult. And the fact that Donovan Mitchell's done it twice this series, and someone like Jamal Murray does it once, just it shows how many great players in the NBA. And it's just the golden era of basketball. Yeah, right and, and yeah. here's the thing. When people like Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are doing this, it's special. Unefficient shooting. They're yeah, not, they're not the jacking shots. At, yeah. The, and the, even the, Murray's shots are tough. Tough, and they're just tough like bottom shots. of the net, bottom of the net. Yeah, and and you like look that. at and you look at the facts, and you know you see they're shooting you know forty five percent from the field, fifty percent from from three, and you're and they're putting up ungodly numbers. That's what's crazy. Um, so what those facts tell me, especially Jamal Murray's numbers, is he's taking it upon himself to be the man in this series. Like the, there was times where you know Jamal Murray might go off for a game or two, but you knew Jokic was going to be the one who's going to carry me through the series. It is now Jamal Murray carrying the Nuggets through this series. Like it's, and I, I think there was a little bit of a switch that flipped where he said, I'm not waiting to see if Jokic is okay with giving me the torch now. Like, I'm not going to wait to see if Jokic does it. And if he doesn't, I'll do it. Jamal Murray's taking the initiative. I'm going to win this series. It's how, how Jamal Murray goes and how the Nuggets go in this series. Game one, he drops 36, they win. Game two, he drops 14, they got blown out. Game three, he drops 12, they got blown out. Game four, he drops 50, they barely lose. They lose by two. And then last night he drops forty two and they win. It's it's he's that important to that team. And I, I know Jokic yeah. is the star, but Jamal Murray is showing him that they're that he's the X factor in that Denver team. Yeah, for sure. You need a guy like that in the playoffs too. I don't, like they don't have another guy that can fill that role. Porter Junior's mm-hmm. a couple years out. I mean, Murray's stepped up. They need that. Mm-hmm. And they needed it. Well, they needed it from the guard position. Like we know this is a guard yeah. run league now, and you needed that that space to be able to to be created from. From three point line, and Jamal Murray brings to the Nuggets what Damian Lillard brings to the Blazers, what Steph brings to the Warriors, what Trey Young brings to the Hawks is that unlimited range to where he's got to be checked at half court, and it's so lethal when that high ball screen can get set from thirty five feet out, forty feet out, and you have all this space to create after that. That's what Jamal Murray does, and he does it so well for the Nuggets. The big thing for the Nuggets with Murray is he broke away because you know they've had that same core. So it was, they had the guards. It was him, Gary Harris, Will Barton. They could all hoop, but they needed mm-hmm. one to take that next step. And I think we're seeing Murray do it right now, which is yeah, great for, for them sure. going forward. So is this Jamal Murray's coming out party? Like, like is, or is, this, are we, is this the level of play we should expect from Jamal Murray going forward? Because that's, that's always been a little bit of a knock is, is inconsistency. What the hell just happened? I'm like, what the hell just go away? Flyers won it overtime. There you go, go fly guys. They almost threw a screen. I was gonna say, weren't they up three nothing? Yeah, yeah. For those of us, for those of you who can't see this podcast and are listening to it, Matt, like, <laughs> like, just freaked the frick, like, freaked the fuck out just now. Almost gave me a freaking heart attack. But no, go ahead. Good, good for the Flyers. What was I saying? Dog, it's, that scared me. It's, it's like, it's I was coming out party. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's coming out party. Should we expect this level of play from Jamal Murray going forward? I think it's unfair to put him on this like standard now, but starting next season, we need to he needs to prove that this wasn't a blip. And mm-hmm. like he he needs to be an all-star. He doesn't need to be a super he needs to be an all-star next year. He needs yeah, to prove that's that the next that has it, to be the next it, step. This wasn't just a flash from the pan. Right. I mean, and that's what been one of the knocks on Jamal Murray has been the consistency. Consistency and effort has been a little bit. And yeah. hopefully he's just spelling both of those. He can do this. Like, he's had games where he's dropped like 35, 40. It's the consistency and getting to that all-star position. No, like I said, the, the two games he lost, he averaged, he had 14 and 12. Right. If the Nuggets can pull back this series, that'll, that could be in it's his coming out party. But mm-hmm. it's a little early. If well, he brings them back from a 3-1 deficit, absolutely. After there's no more. There's there's no more doubt in my mind if he brings him back from three one, but we will we will move on uh, into our second segment. We're bringing back an oldie buddy goodie, speaking facts. Uh, and so the, for the first one, I'm going to go is to me is a little bit comical from what from literally all the evidence that has stacked against him. But we're going to do this anyway. Marcus Morris said, "I play this game with a level of respect for myself and for other players. To think I would try to injure somebody is crazy to me. Ten years going going against the best. I stand on morals and hard work." I compete and leave it out there every game. 
is Marcus Moore speaking facts. By the way, this comes in wake, we'll play it, but this comes in wake of uh, what seemingly was an intentional step on Luka Doncic's soft left ankle and literally blowing his tire, literally taking his foot out of his shoe. So this was him responding to that. So Stat Matt, is Marcus Moore speaking facts? He's not just not speaking facts. He's lying. Yeah, that, that's, that's a like, lie. Bold <laughs> face, right? We've seen this a lot. Marcus Morris clearly stepped on the bum ankle. He looked down at that, and he just... I'm yeah. laughing because I know y'all seen the video of him <laughs> bopping Justin Anderson on the head That's for no because Justin Anderson too. playing good yeah. defense, like for for no reason. Kyle, I mean, is he is he speaking facts? He's not. I can respect the you know I put it out there every night, but the, I play with morals and respect. No, I mean you brought up the Justin Anderson thing. No, and then there's another incident where they lose to like the Pacers back a couple years ago by like ten, mm-hmm. and then he just like pushes Paul George at the end of the game and it starts a big fight. And, and here's the thing. Do we not re- like forget just mere two games ago in this series? Him and Luca got in a little scuffle and he got and, and KP got ejected. That's the same guy. Yeah. So so now you're gonna go try and play vid- or play, you know, innocent and play victim when you go and step on that same guy's bum ankle. Like, and get out of here with that, he man. And and he represents Philly. So don't so don't represent Philly like that. Like, like everyone knows where you come from. We don't be doing that. He didn't need to do that. The Clippers were hooping. He was hooping. Are you scared? Weren't they up by like twenty at that point? Yeah, and he had. And like you're gonna nine, full court press 19. him? Yeah, it's it's wrong. Get out of here, man! All right, we're moving on. We only have two this week. Uh, so this one it comes from Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, he calls it ridiculous that some stadiums will have fans while others, like the Bills stadium, will not. He says that this will give uh, some teams an unfair advantage, and Bill uh, adds his team can only control what they can control after that, Kyle. Is Sean McDermott speaking facts? Yeah, I think he is. It's it's. I don't know what the answer is here. I mean, I know he's speaking facts, but I don't know. Like, do you do that or do you not do that? The answer to is no stadium. Like the answer is clear to me. The answer is clear to me. Saying it's an unfair advantage, he's right. Oh, he's teams shouldn't yeah. get rewarded for having governors and states that are more. Not idiots, right? Yeah, idiots, right? <laughs> and, and and look, P- PA is on a bad on a on a on a bad path, man, because. They, the PIAA is is the the major high school sports conference in PA just reversed itself and is now allowing fall sports for high schools. So as high schools continue to do this, I mean, what what's to stop NFL teams and college teams from doing this too? So yes, Sean McDermott is speaking facts. Some teams are going to have unfair advantage because some teams are going to have in person fans. And like when you're talking about an NFL stadium that has what forty thousand fans there, so if you have ten percent capacity, you still have thousands of fans there. And that's all lower level. It's not like they're going to stay up in the nosebleeds. Oh, yeah. It's all going to be down where you can hear them. There's so, no yes, that's unfair. Yeah. But I, I want to take this time to address uh, all the, the high school and college athletes that are really, really pushing for their schools and, and their districts and their conferences to allow fall sports. And before I say this, I understand if you're a senior and this was your last go at it. Like some, Especially if you're like, you think you could be a recruit. It's like Joe, like some people are in like Joe Burrow territory where my senior year is needed. Baker Mayfield territory. My senior year is needed. And I, and I get that. And I understand you. And believe me, I feel for you. But we have to think about what's good for everyone's health and safety right now. And if it's not healthy for people to go to school, like a lot of people think it's not safe for people to go to school. Why do we think it's safe to, to put kids on buses and travel and interact with people they never, ever, ever interact with just to see it? Kyle, you're on a college campus right now. We are seeing college campuses who aren't even doing sports yet get hundreds of cases on, on one campus. There are nations, major nations in the world yeah. that are hundreds of cases right now. <laughs> and, and, and we're, we're going to allow high schoolers to go play. So we just got to think it goes beyond sports right now. We're talking about the health and well-being of the general public. To me, it doesn't make sense. Like, like, to me, it doesn't matter. If you cannot create a situation like the NHL or the NBA where you have a bubble situation, even though the MLB is, like, kind of getting by right now, which I still don't believe, but yeah. it, 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 if you cannot create that situation, to me, it's not safe to play sports right now. It's just not. I'm sorry, high schoolers and, and college athletes who might miss their season. And if you can somehow get the NCAA to, to create a bubble for the Power Five conferences, then I'll watch college football all day long. That's a safe way to do it. But you can't. There's too many schools out there. And 
If you leave it to unfair playing fields, some can and some can't, you're just going to get a, a really unfair situation. I, I say just cancel the whole, like, until we get this under control, cancel it or push it back. Because if we do it right now, there's a chance we have spring sports. But the reason stuff keeps yeah. getting pushed back is because we refuse to treat it the right way. Treat it the right way now, and months from now, we may be good. Like, every other country in the world is fine. Like, we got to realize we're the only country in the world that's not fine because of it. Yeah, like, you see other countries, like, New Zealand has, like, live sports back, and it's it's just... New Zealand? You're just like, please, why, why can't that... Why, New Zealand why? could get it together, but we, the United States of America, the greatest country on the planet, can't get it together, but New Zealand is playing live sports? It's yeah. it's upsetting. The it's campus like, can... of North Carolina had more had more COVID victims than New Zealand this past week. I don't know if you guys knew that. Like there whole a, nation. There was a tweet that said like New Zealand having live sports was like you being in the classroom that didn't get like the marble party for the pizza party in like fifth grade and like the other one has and it. And you're like looking across the hall, <laughs> yeah. you're watching them all have fun. That's that's where we're going right now. But and the end of my rant, Kyle, if you're ready, let us know what happened this past week in sports. We had a good one this past week. So yeah, let's let get into it. Down. So uh, the NBA conducted their draft lottery Thursday night where the Minnesota Timberwolves won the first overall pick in the upcoming draft. I'm not going to read all the picks, but the top five selections went Timberwolves, Hornets, or Timberwolves, Warriors, Hornets, Bulls, Cavs, in that order. The lottery also granted the Knicks the eighth pick, despite having the sixth best shot at the one pick. I just want to throw that in there. But, I mean, the takeaway here is Timberwolves one, Warriors two, Hornets three. What are our thoughts on the draft after the lottery? I mean, I'm sorry. My first takeaway is where the Knicks are. Like that, I, immediately, that's where my mind went when I saw the order, and I started laughing. Like for for a franchise that just more and more unfortunate bad luck. And I thought this was going to be the year, like the Patrick Ewing draft, where they where they made sure the Knicks won because I thought they wanted <laughs> the Knicks are like they're, they're having good hires, they're going in the right direction. So I thought this is what it would be, but I was, the Knicks got eighth. I was actually I look at the percentages of it. The Knicks actually like their highest percentage was to get the eighth pick. So. It's not like they got screwed. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. Not. They didn't get the one, but I mean, right. But they, and, and they here's, what's, it like. here's what's really unfortunate about the Knicks is they need a guard, and eight puts you right outside of guard territory. Like that, yeah, like you gotta that, That's where you're picking there. like Big O and and and, and uh, the the guy from France who's escaping me right now. But that's who's landing you like it, you know seven, eight, nine territory. Yeah, you, you the Mellow Balls and Anthony yeah. Edwards and, and Nicole Anthony's. They're they're going in the, in the top. The thing lockers. about the Knicks is they've been bad for so long, and they haven't gotten any lottery. Like, there's not even like a first overall pick that they whiffed on. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't gotten a high pick, like a really like top two pick in like a great draft. Higher. R.J. Barrett era. He was three, right? He's three. R.J. Yeah. Barrett's three. Uh, I guess and there's been years where they should have. Kyrie Irving should have been a Nick, not mm-hmm. a Cavalier. Like there are years where they definitely should have. Definitely. All right, moving forward. So. After being swept in the first round of the playoffs this season, two NBA teams have fired their head coaches. One, which just happened earlier today, was Nate McMillan of the Pacers, and the other one was Brett Brown of the 76ers. This is expected to be the first move of many the Sixers make this offseason, and sources say the Sixers are going to focus on Clippers assistant Ty Lu as their next head coach, but a few other names have been thrown out, including Villanova's head coach Jay Wright. So the offseason's officially started for the Sixers now, and what do they need to get done before next season? Whatever. They do. They can't touch and beat or sim. That's all I care about. They stay. They're young. They're great players. And it's it's about the team around them that it is. Yeah, them. it's a, it's about. And I I like that Elton Brand said that they're not going to touch him. But DMs lie all the time, especially Elton Brand, where he's in a position where Elton Brand don't really call the shots. Like it just came out. Where we all know that Elton Brand isn't really the sole decision maker. It's not really up to him. He said. He said. He sounded like maybe he is going to be now. The mm-hmm. collaboration thing didn't work. Yeah, but I don't know. That's just a PR front because the Sixers front office is shady, very, very shady. shaky, baby. Always, yeah, always. And personally, I'm rooting for the Thunder to eliminate the Rockets so I can get my hands on Mike D'Antoni. You want Mike D'Antoni as your coach? I want Mike D'Antoni. You want you want three point barrage Mike D'Antoni on a team that got no three point shooters right now? That's what you want. Offensive oh, think, genius. He's an offensive yeah. genius. Look what with the right people. With the right people. He got to have the – Mike D'Antoni is a coach that can prosper with the right team. You can get Suns Rockets Mike D'Antoni, or you can get Lakers Knicks Mike D'Antoni. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. He's, he's bad success, and he's failed. But I think the Sixers should look right around the way, right around the way to Nate McMillan. Either Nate That's McMillan or even Kenny Atkinson, who did a really good job I with, wouldn't a, mind Kenny Atkinson. with a really young Nets team. 
I got in a really hot-spirited debate about the Sixers' next coaching option on my other show, Trust the Process Live, because before Nate McMillan got fired, we heard these Ty Lue rumors, and I said the Sixers shouldn't scoff at it, and my co-host, Max Cooler, Sixers fan, scoffed at it. And I got really mad at him because, you know, I brought up the point that Ty Lue is a champion. And he's like, oh, we know what team he was on. I know what team he was on. Okay, I knew, I know who was on his team. I know he had, he had LeBron and Kyrie, but he won a championship. To me, to me like, Ty Lue is a question mark. Like, I, I don't know yet if he's good or bad. Right. But he's done, I can point out the great things he did. Like, he absolutely earned that ring. He outcoached Steve Kerr in that NBA Finals. And in game seven at halftime, he had the balls to tell LeBron. Shut the fuck hey, up. Yeah, oh you God, need to do more. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron, like, like you, you could make an argument that, like, other than that, he hasn't been that great. But we don't know yet. Let's mm-hmm. see. I wouldn't hate it if we got Tyler. I wouldn't yeah, love it, but I wouldn't hate he's it. He's not my first pick, but I, I'd be fine with Tyler. But you shouldn't scoff at it. He's yeah. got a, he was not the, he's not the primary reason for either. But he has a, a ring as a coach and as a player. When it was a part of... The greatest championship, at least series or run that I've seen, and one of the best dynasties the NBA has ever seen. He's been a part of both of them. So he's, championship pedigree is a lot to be spoken for. And for what made me mad about what he said is for a fan who's not seen one coach put on a ring, you can't scoff at one who does. That's my only point. I just, please no Mark Jackson. Please no Jason Kidd. Yeah, Jason Kidd, you should stay away no, from. Don't. I don't think you should stay away you from gotta, Mark Jackson. Matt, Mark Jackson evaluated one. three of your, your Mark Jackson evaluated three players that would go on to be one of the best dynasties in NBA history. Mark Jackson was a part of that evaluation process. Yeah, but no, he he had a team that went fifty three games, and then he left. Right, he right, got fired, right. and then that exact with, same with team no changes. won sixty seven. Yeah, games. with with no change, with one change, with with Sean Livingston being a big change to that roster. So I I get it, I get it. We can move on, Kyle. Well, I always want to ask Matt, if you had to pick one coach, who is it? I want D'Antoni. I don't understand that. Or, or I don't understand why he wants D'Antoni. Or I kind of if the that. Mavericks win and they lose, and Doc gets fired, I want Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is not it's not happening. Doc Rivers right. won't get fired. I, I, like I don't, I don't see either good. of them getting fired. I, I, I do like Kenny Ackerman. I don't see D'Antoni getting fired either. I could see him getting fired. But moving forward, so. On Tuesday, Lionel Messi informed Barcelona that he wants out after nearly 20 years with the club. So almost all the reports are of a broken relationship with, with, between him and team management, with a public fallout with their former sporting director and arguments with the board pre-coronavirus about wages during the pandemic. So all signs right now are pointing towards Man City as Messi's next landing spot, which, James, I know you hate, but I'm here for it. So it definitely will be sad. James, I know I'm you hate, but I'll be here for it. Hey, maybe that's your Premier League team back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we need a podium. And that especially hurts because, like, Messi and Neymar were the reasons I became a Barcelona fan. So without Messi there, I'm like, I'm like almost tempted to do a Chris Paul thing, but I'm not going to. I'll stick with Barcelona. Um, but as a Barca fan, we get these messy rumors pretty much every summer because for the last five years, we've gotten bounced from the Champions League before we should have. And he gets frustrated every single time. And you hear, is Messi going to leave? Is Messi going to leave? And he never shuts them down. He doesn't entertain them, but he never comes out and says, like, I want to be in Barca. He kind of lets them swirl. And this is the first time they came to fruition. But I thought it was going to be like, like when your partner texts you or calls you and says, like, I want to break up. But they're doing it so like you, 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 your attention turns towards mm-hmm. them. Because they got something to say or something they want to work out. Then you go sit down, you talk about it, you're working out, and you realize there's no one better for you and there's no one better for them. And that's what I thought was going to happen this time, and it didn't. Like, he, he actually got his stuff and left. Like, I, I didn't think he was – I didn't think he had the balls to actually get his stuff and leave. I thought this was another we-need-to-talk situation. We were going to sit down and talk, and he was going to be fine. They might go to court. Like, there's this whole, like, release. Like, he going he to divorce yeah. us? Like, like, and he might be forced to, like, stay because of, like, the coronavirus puts the season back and the contract. It's, like, a weird clause thing. He going to divorce? He going to take us to court? Man City. Man City is the most likely destination because his former coach, Pat Guardiola, is the manager of Man City. And he won two trebles with Pat Guardiola in 09 and 11. And Pat's kind of big criticism people have about is they can't win without Messi 
Well, he'd be like, okay, I'll win with Messi again. That might, as a Liverpool fan, I don't want him. To That's win not the Pep and Messi reunite, like you know, reunion that I thought I was gonna get. I thought Pep yeah. was coming to this. Apparently, they've been on the phone for like the past week or two too. So I'm glad they're such good friends. Oh, I'm so glad. I think oh, uh, it's been think frustrating. It's, it's the end of an era. It probably is. All right. So the last one I got, or actually no, we got two. The Baltimore Ravens have released Earl Thomas after sending him home from practice last Friday after an altercation with fellow safety Chuck Clark. The Ravens, quote, personal misconduct or personal conduct that adversely affected the Baltimore Ravens as their reason for terminating his contract. The whole situation's pretty weird. Apparently, the Ravens are trying to use like a loophole to get out of the guaranteed money they owe him. And then Thomas will probably file a grievance right back. But that's all down the road. And the fact of the matter is Earl Thomas is now a free agent. And even though he's probably past his prime, I gotta think there's some teams that could. Yeah, to to me, this I didn't look at the football aspect of this first. I looked at the the player in person. The second time you've left on bad terms, and that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Is a lot of people looked at the Seahawks situation, and we're all on the side of Earl Thomas. We're mad at the Seahawks for not paying him, which for for all intents and purposes, it looked like the Seahawks should have paid Earl Thomas. But you know what this does? It, it goes back and retrospectively makes the Seahawks look right or at least look better and Earl Thomas look wrong in that situation because sometimes you have to look at the common denominator. And I, it's, it's not like we've heard anything about the Ravens, you know, doing Earl Thomas wrong. You know, you know Jim or John Harbaugh has been so in Earl Thomas's corner from day one. And he, now you just look like you're a hothead. Now you look like you're someone who's a locker room cancer. And especially when it's that immediate, and the team yeah. can now control the narrative of what it looks like that you made the situation worse. We took you on as a hothead, and you and you proved everybody right. You proved us wrong. You proved everybody right. So that's what Earl Thomas is making himself look like right now, which is a shame because that's an all pro safety right. I agree with you. Please don't sign with the Cowboys, Earl Thomas. Please don't. And he wanted to the first time. I think I think Rappaport actually said that uh, they're not going to pursue Earl Thomas. Yeah. So, thank, thank God for Cowboys management. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I, I think. I think they're done with, with, you know, taking on projects like that. I mean, that's, and when it's your first time, teams look past it. When it's your second time and you're a safety on the plus side of 30, there's less teams that take that risk. Because not only you're leaving in hot blood, but he left with the Seahawks on an injury too, on a season-ending injury and on bad terms. Like and double like win. The Ravens were a great situation. They had 14-2 last year, the one seed. Where we're going to be the best team in football, hands down, coming into the season, right? Like, we're one of the best teams and got better. So, like. <laughs> with I, the MVP on your side, like what? I, but like you don't, don't want to win another ring. Like, like I wonder what that personnel coach said to him to make. Uh, it's got to be something crazy. Where he punched him. So like, I wonder what happened. But you had a match made in heaven there, bro. With maybe the best offense and best defense on paper going into the league. Like it's it's crazy. He messed he messed up a good situation. Possible. All right, we got one more thing. But this one lies in your corner, James. More of some of your news. So. You want to give us that LaMelo Ball news you've been waiting on Yes, sir. LaMelo Ball may be the number one pick in the 2020-2021 draft, whatever draft, the 2020 draft, just is, is finalizing a deal with Puma, a brand that everybody knows that you know, I'm on the bandwagon with for sure. And this is major, right? Because Puma's been on the come up for a while, but never got like the biggest name. Tried to get Zion last year. And, you know, got R- ended up getting R.J., one. which, you know, it, it, it's definitely a consolation prize. But got the biggest one this year. Got LaMelo Ball. And this is huge. Like, I think LaMelo Ball can be for Puma what, like, Steph Curry was for Under Armour. Like, a young budding star uh, and, a, and a brand that's trying to break through and get to the level of a, of a Nike and Adidas and needs that one star to, to bring it to the forefront. And LaMelo can do that. And the biggest difference is, under Armour got Steph Curry when he hit his prime. Like everyone knew Steph Curry was, you know, oh, he's, he's a star. Puma gets LaMelo on the way up. Like, Puma gets LaMelo before he even hits an NBA court. Gets all the pre-LaMelo buzz. He's probably going to have a signature shoot from day one. Like, this is big. And there have been a lot of haters out there, yo. A lot of people hating on Puma because I ride for Puma so hard. And this is like a validation. I got, it's a risk because if LaMelo is a bust, then they have a lot of egg on their face. But that's, and a lot of money burn. But, that's, but that, doesn't any brand have that? I mean, that Reebok had that chance when they took AI, right? For on rookie on rookie year. Look how that paid off for Reebok for, for that little stretch. So, like, yeah. this, is, this is huge. I knew when Jay-Z became the head of Puma basketball that it was on the way up. Like, I saw that from day one. Like, he's the, the cultural influence that Jay-Z has is going to bring people. 
And now this is a huge snowball starting to fall for, for Melo. Welcome to Puma fan, bro. You're going to love it over here. He's a moneymaker even if he isn't like a superstar too. Big I, like I did have a problem with what you said real quick. You said that Puma doesn't have that big name. Terry Rozier. I know we got Terry Forget. Rozier. You're forgetting about <laughs> someone. I'm going to leave it at that. Terry Rozier is going to get some help with the number three pick. So. He was, he was the, he, he was one of like when, when Puma hit the scene, what was that, 2018 sign? They hit the scene inside him. Boogie, like Danny the, Green, Sterling Brown, yeah. like they hit the scene inside a lot of people. He was like the one of the biggest ones. And then after He's that the came that, like, the, the Derek Jones Jr., the MPJ, China. Puma Wave, and now LaMelo gets it. And watch how many people we get. Like, we know him and RJ Hampton running the same circle. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if, if RJ, you know, gets a Puma deal, too. I agree, though. This was the, this was the breakout one. I think they're, uh, they're on the map now with that. I'm but... hyped. You can catch me rocking the, the, the mellow ones. Ooh, I can't wait. It's tough. But we're almost out of time. We can get the shots. We can get some shots up at the buzzer. Matt, anything to say at the buzzer? All right. Well, that's what happened this past week in sports. Let's shift to the countdown. Number five. All the games that were suspended today were game fives uh, that were scheduled. It was three game fives, and then the players were on strike, and we support their action completely. 100%. It's, uh, I got a couple of people asking me, what does this actually do? Uh, like, you know, what does, does canceling the games actually help? And I understand, like, you know, I understand what the point of playing. I don't think playing the games would have hurt. Because to your point a long time ago in your deep dive and the point we keep making is that, you know, microphones and cameras get you know, stuck in front of your face pregame constantly. So there were opportunities to say something. <clears throat> but does not playing hurt or does not playing not help? Absolutely not. Because look at what we're all sitting here and talking about instead of allowing us to go mute about it for a couple of hours while we watch basketball. Like it's, 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 it's a pause. It's not, a it's stop. not a stop. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's was, not like we will consider. I, I do wholeheartedly think we will continue basketball. I don't think they'll, they'll go on strike for the rest of the playoff. But what, what every player didn't want to happen was a slew of NBA games happen or come on. And now from five o'clock to 10 o'clock, everyone's only talking about basketball and not talking about Jacob Blake and what happened. And I yeah. think now that it's off, it forces you to like, well, why is basketball off? Oh, here's why That's it's it. off. And by the way, exactly. we need to have a conversation about it while basketball is off. That's what I was going to get into. Like, I've watched probably almost every playoff game, if not all of them this year. And like, now it shuts down. There's a lot of guys in the same boat as me. So it takes one person who's not informed. Oh, mm -hmm. why did the shutdown? Boom. Now he knows. Yep. They look into it. And that's, but I would actually, I would love to see this out of the NHL and MLB too. Yeah. Yeah. And let, I, I mean, I guess that's what I have to say, but there, there was there was breaking news that the Braves were discussing not playing. Um, uh, we know the Flyers played already. I'm not sure what time the Phillies first pitch probably around 7:05, so probably in a little bit. We'll see if the if the Phillies end up. The Brewers and Reds canceled their game. Tonight. So the Brewers. So so okay. I, to me, it takes one domino to fall. Like we saw one yeah. domino. We saw the Bucks and Magic do it, and then the Rockets thunder it, and then um, uh, Blazers Lakers followed suit. So I think it just takes one domino to fall, but we'll see. You know, teams like to stick together like that, especially and from at the very least standpoint. This some teams don't want to be the only team not to say it, but the only team that like was going to be fine with playing. So at the very least, teams are gonna fall suit. Shout, Shout out, out to the Bucks for starting. This. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. That takes a lot of guts. All right, number four. Uh, for number four is the years to the day Colin Kaepernick took his first knee uh, during the national anthem of an NFL game, um, and. We're, we're so sorry to Colin Kaepernick that it took this long for all of us to get what you were trying to do. But to me, I'd, I'd rather be late to the party than never get there at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we, we need to recognize Colin Kaepernick for, you know, starting this movement four years ago, being the person to, to sacrifice his playing career, to speak on something that needs to be spoken about. And we're trying to carry out what he's doing. And for anything, he's a trailblazer. Because now everybody needs and no one gets penalized for it. So, you know, at least thank you, Colin Kaepernick, for that. Definitely. Number three. The number of players to have two 50-point games in one playoff series, that's Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, and now Donovan Mitchell. That is some incredible company to have. I mean, Kyle, go ahead. This is your victory lap, bro. Because, like, I just – I didn't see it. Like, I didn't see it. And I'm, I'm – Secure with myself enough to say, like, I, I didn't see it. Like, that was wrong about Donovan Mitchell. So, go ahead. That's your victory lap. Fuck it. I got nothing else to say, man. I mean, 
I already talked about him before. He's a bucket, and he's going to do more scoring stuff like that in the future. We're going to see. All right, number two. The number of buzzer beaters to get a Mike Breen double bang uh, for for the call. And that's Steph Curry against OKC in 2015, a day that will live, you know, will haunt my nightmares. And then Luka Doncic against the Clippers, uh, game four. We already referenced it, the, the shot that Kawhi did not switch off of and, and elected not to guard. But you only get you only get a certain amount of, of Mike Breen double bang. And to me, the other half will make a play so great is the call. Like, that's why I love broadcasting so much is because, like, that that play is going to be so iconic because of Mike Breen's call. And if you hear it, like, it, it's, it's just chills. And that's that's the other half what makes the play so great to me. Mike Breen is a treasure. He really is. Protect yeah, him at like, all costs. You just watch the Steph Curry highlight film. It's sick. And they it's, it's Mike games. Breen on all of them. Yeah. Kyrie's, Kyrie shot in game seven of the finals. LeBron's block. Like, we you three. you reference LeBron's block by Mike Breen's call, like when you say, yeah, Iguodala carry back the Iguodala oh, block by James, like that's Mike Breen's exact cadence. Like it was such a great call that everyone remembers it word for word. So shout out Mike Breen, man. I had to put him in the count. Also the rebound, Bosh back out the alley, all of it, bang, like all of it, all of it. Why does he get the best games? It's crazy. Cause he cause no one's got a bang. Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle's got the closest. When Iron Eagle does like the oh thing at like the end of like a big play or a three, that's like the closest thing that anyone's got. But nothing's touching a Mike Breen bang, bro. Nothing. Number one, the number of French teams to ever win the Champions League. That's Martial in 1993. PSG would have been the second, but lost to Bayern Munich in the final. And Martial is a huge rival. PSG. They passed a law ordinance that night. <laughs> that you could not wear PSG colors or you would be arrested because you would be uh, a public safety risk because they thought people would beat you up. This is, Soccer fandoms are nuts. I, I understand Matt's angle in the countdown. Matt Matt <laughs> uses the countdown to like get off his chest the, the stuff he could never put in the regular podcast but that he wants to talk about. Like He doesn't have time for it in the pregame. He doesn't want to waste his tap out on it, but he, like, he wants to say it. So let me find the stat that I can put in the countdown to get off his chest. Because, like, I who, how do you pronounce it? Marcial? I think so. <laughs> I don't even know the team. So. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Uh, I only steered it that way, so I don't have to talk about the Champions League anymore. But that's all. That's uh, We almost are out of time. But we can get some shots about the buzzer. And Matt, anything, anything to say the buzzer. Just going back to all the Jacob Blake stuff. One of the things that happened in NBA history that really doesn't get talked about enough was in 2015, the Hawks won 60 games. Their coach is Mike Budenholzer, who is the Bucks coach now, which I think is important to note. And right before the playoffs, one of their best, one of their starters and one of their best defenders, Thabo Sipilesha, got his leg broken by a police officer. And Thabo didn't take the settlement. He said, no, I'm taking this to court. And he won, which is very difficult to do. And the, the fact, fact that the number one seed in the East lost a key player and then they wound up flaming out of the playoffs in the conference finals and it really gets talked about is an incredible thing and it just shows how the how so many times we don't see something that's great in front of our face and it's good that we're finally seeing what's in front of our face now. And and huge shout out to Mike B for, for being the common denominator in both of those for you know for both of those teams. Uh Colin, anything to say at the buzzer? Yeah, we got fantasy football season coming around now and uh i want to incentivize my league to watch our podcast so there you go I, I am drafting devin singletary you better take him before i take him. not going to tell him where to look but that's that and then that's, that's your that's your first running back off the board like that's your number no, one pick oh okay. no but that's who i'm taking Th- they know what that means oh okay and- <laughs> i'm about to say like devin i, I was i'm waiting for like the punchline like devin singletary like you're gonna lose you're gonna lose man <laughs> Well, he's slept on. But okay. uh, back to what Matt said. Yeah, it's justice for Jacob Blake this week. You can't, you can't look past that. Keep the conversation going forward. It's, it's a problem, and I support what the NBA player is doing. And I hate to see the backlash on Twitter, like from people. I don't even want to give them the time of day, to be honest. Yeah, for real. That are getting mad about it. Yeah. And and then that's a that's a big statement you just made, Kyle. Because there's a lot of people who will go back and forth with people uh, who don't agree. And sometimes you got to let a fool talk to a wall. Like, sometimes you got to let them, like, get their asinine statements out, and you responding to it almost validates the asinine statement. Like, if you truly don't get why people are not playing today, if you truly don't understand why people kneel against the flag, then, you know, 
there, there may not just be help for you at this point. And, and I'm tired of entertaining every single person who's against it. So I completely agree with that statement. Um, so I echo both of your sentiments and what I got to say at the buzzer, but I do want to give a huge shout out uh, to my to my boy Cam Cook and the Nashua Silver Knights. I'm rocking his jersey. They were collegiate summer league champs. Uh, for he coaches uh, a collegiate summer league up in Nashville, New Hampshire, and they won the championship. Man, I got his I got his jersey on. I went to see him a couple of weeks ago. So shout out my boy Cam Cook, the best GM in New Hampshire. He asked me to give him a shout out, and I got him. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to our guy Philly Hall of Fame and the Academy from where we go live from. Catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you podcast, and also catch us on TouchplayTV.com. But for my main man's Kyle Sirik and Stat Matt Robinson, I am James Jackson. He's a fast. Straight up. Instrumental. Instrumental. Instrumental.